We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. As we head toward Memorial Day, Nickerson Excavation and Construction asks everyone to stop and remember the sacrifices made by our military veterans in defense of our nation's liberty. Serving the New Limerick area for over 50 years, Nickerson Excavation and Construction is your one-stop shop for all your excavation, drainage, and road construction needs, offering good old family-friendly service. For an estimate or bid, please call Nickerson Excavation at 207-532-9391. That's 207-532-9391. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio. Uh, let me see, Star Cable. Exxon Broadcast Network, and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, Africa, and Europe. My number is 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxon.com. 
ExxonRadioTV.com. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is Kevin Cook. He has a BA from Upper Iowa University and a master's in theology from a Protestant seminary. He is a graduate student at the Franciscan University in Ohio. And we're talking this hour uh, with Kevin about seeing the Virgin Mary, or what they call Marian apparitions. And joining me now is Kevin Cook. And Kevin, welcome to the Exxon. Thanks, Rob. Good to be here. Where did your interest in Marian apparitions come from? Well, initially my interest uh, in the paranormal came from my childhood, which was chock full of a lot of unusual experiences. Uh, my father was an engineer in mm-hmm. South Florida, and uh, that was back about the time the Bermuda Triangle was a big issue with Charles Berlitz's book. And uh, I give this as a preface because it kind of opened me up to other things later, but I asked him at the time whether that was, you know, a real valid experience or baloney, and uh, his response kind of surprised me because I expected him to say, oh, that was all just nothing to pay attention to. But, see, what he had done was he was a, uh, on a volunteer basis, he ran the power squadron for all of South Florida, which is boating courses to the public. And in the context of that, he hobnobbed with a lot of admirals. And uh, in the defense industry, he had an electronics factory. He had a lot of interplay with admirals and so forth. And make a long story short, he said there was validity to the Bermuda Triangle uh, circumstances. And also, as it turned out, one our neighbors down the road, uh, I don't know whether, Rob, whether you remember this, but Ernest Borgnine was in a movie called The Ghost of Flight 401. Yeah, sure. Well, see, we were big Eastern Airlines flyers, and uh, the pilots were our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And these were pretty good guys. These were uh, retired Navy, Air Force officers, and uh, they, they hired at Eastern. And, you know, there's pretty really reliable informants, witnesses. And they had actually seen the ghost of Ernest Borgnine's character in the movie. Wow. So, I mean, this was kind of a preface to being open to things that were unusual. And I've always been a Christian. Uh, and uh, though not a Catholic, I was a Protestant minister in my youth. And I was, uh, you know, to be candid a little bit, oh, worldly to be a minister. But still, mm-hmm. I retained the faith. And I converted to Catholicism about five years ago now, and uh, what happened was, uh, I was always interested in Marian apparitions, but what happened to kind of get this prompted along was I uh, made a land-buying expedition up to upstate New York. It's real pretty, and properties at a very competitive price. Uh, What it amounts to is I, the last day I was there, or the next to last day, I was going to have as a Oh, kind of a just relaxing day in the Mohawk Valley playing tourist. And All right, so Kevin, what I'm going to ask you to do is hold on to this story because we have to take a commercial break. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting talking to you about the Marian apparitions as well as the the other aspects of the paranormal. And here you've actually met the people who saw the, the apparition aboard that airline, uh, that Eastern Airlines, which makes it more than just hearsay now, doesn't it? It really did, yeah. All right, sure stand did. by, Kevin. We'll be back in two minutes. Exxon Nation, Kevin... Um, Kevin Cook is our special guest, and uh, Kevin and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Exxon Nation, Kevin Cook is our special guest. We're talking this hour about Marian apparitions. And uh, before we get into that, Kevin is uh, giving us a little bit of background into his own experiences in the paranormal. We heard about uh, his interaction with the two airline pilots who actually saw a ghost aboard an Eastern Airlines flight. Uh, We was telling us about how his dad was in the power squadron and talked with several people who had experiences or first-hand knowledge of experiences that happened in the Bermuda Triangle. Now, just before we had to take that break, uh, Kevin, you were telling us about as as a as a in your younger years you were uh, a a Protestant minister, and uh, then we had to go to the break. So, if you could take us, uh, you know, continue from that point, that would be great. Well, yeah, actually, uh, way early on uh, in Maryland, where I had a church, a Methodist church. Uh, mm-hmm. My ex-wife and I actually investigated a a bleeding statue in Wilmington, Delaware, firsthand uh, on our spare time. And uh, so I had an early interest in this sort of uh, phenomenon. And when I was on that New York trip, you know, I'd seen the property, and I'd Mm -hmm. done the Cooperstown Baseball Museum visit. And what happened was I uh, was going to set that day aside to just be a tourist in the Mohawk Valley there. And uh, within the first 10 minutes of my little tourist efforts, I ran across Our Lady of Martyr's Shrine in Oriesville, New York. Very beautiful place. Uh, it's uh, situated on about a 50-acre campus, on about a quarter mile up, so it's real breezy and all flat and so forth. And, uh, what ha- you know, I was a Catholic, so I said, I'll go check it out. And, uh, Rob, for the first 45 minutes I was there, I smelt an overpowering, cloying, almost gripping smell of roses. Mm. And uh, I've got bad allergies in Texas where I live. And right. I take Zyrtec and so forth. And uh, so I'm not really a bloodhound as far as my sense of smell goes. <laughs> and uh, I knew something was unique, because if I had a bunch of roses on the dash of my truck, I wouldn't probably be able to smell them. Sure. And this this was powerful. Oh, this was gripping. And it, it didn't come and go and dissipate like if you were in a greenhouse and walk through it, you might smell it and then it'd go away. But also, I indicated about the the layout of the land up there to give you an idea of what it was like. It's very breezy. It's on the foothills of the Andronic Mountains, a very rural area. There was there was two chapels on the property, but neither one of them was having any services where you might have, say, incense or something of that nature. And there were only a handful of roses from where I, I was standing, and they were like 20 acres away. I mean, even a real bloodhound probably couldn't smell those. Yeah. And so what happened was this went on and on and on. And finally, I felt compelled to go ask somebody about this. So they had a museum up there, and I went in there, and I talked to the curator, mm-hmm. and I said, Lady, look, uh, I sell trees for a living because I'm in the wholesale nursery business, and 
I said, what is so fragrant up here? This is crazy. And uh, all they had up there, uh, Rob, was pines and maples, nothing you know, really all that aromatic. Sure. And she looked at me shocked, and she said, uh, you smelled it too? And I said, well, I guess so. <laughs> and uh, this is something. She'd worked there 12 years, very you know, dignified, sensible mm-hmm. person. And uh, she said every now and then, every six months or year, somebody experiences this phenomenon. It's called the odor of sanctity, is what the church calls it. And uh, that's exactly what this was. She even showed me on a map of the grounds where I probably smelled it in the most strongest fashion, and she was accurate. And that was where the first rosary was said in that part of the country, in that whole region, in 1642. And uh, anyhow, uh, I realized I'd, you know, and she wanted to describe, like I say, that uh, every now and then someone would experience this. She'd been there 12 years, yet she mm-hmm. had never had that experience. And this, of course, I was kind of overcome. For the next 45 minutes I was there, I was just sitting on a bench like, you know, what was that truck that hit me, you know? Sure, and, yeah. Uh, it was very pleasant, and then actually, in a kind of unusual way, as I was walking to the parking lot to leave, I had one final little wisp of that smell, and I was way away from anything. And uh, I did a bunch of research. This kind of was a—I knew I'd experienced a very divine and paranormal event, and it kind of got me spurred along to look into this more and more. And I found that this odor of sanctity facet, the smell of roses, was completely replete in the Marian apparition field. I mean, just. 100% hmm. associated with it, and also Catholic saints. And uh, after about two years, I'd compiled the information to write uh, in writing a book, and I, I published it in uh, August of uh, last year. And uh, the more I studied, the more absolutely convinced and impressed I was with the actual evidence of Marian apparitions and photos, uh, physical evidence that's remaining, all kinds of, and of course, witness testimony, and cures, miracle cures, I mean, a whole cafeteria of things that give authenticity to this phenomenon. Well, let me ask you, who is Marion? Is Marion the Blessed Virgin Mary, or is Marion yes. someone else? No, it's, it's, it's an image of the Blessed Virgin Mary herself. So why is it called Marion instead of Mary? Well, no, it's called Marion, just as, like, uh, Canadian or American or something like that. Uh, M-A-R-I-A-N. It's just, a, a, the you know, the adjective for, you know, Marion. Uh, apparition is I would imagine the most famous uh, Marian apparition that listeners may be acquainted with is the Lady of Phantom. Am I correct? I'd say that that would be the number one. Yes, uh, that occurred in 1917 in uh, Portugal, mm-hmm. where the Virgin Mary uh, appeared to three children, and they're called seers. Uh, the witnesses are—that's just term the church applies to them. Right. And these were just young children, uh, say ten to twelve years old. And uh, there's a whole bunch of, of real exotic phenomena that occurred around Fatima. Uh, she relayed a couple of messages, messages to the children uh, that they could have had no way of having any knowledge of. Uh, remember, these were rural ag- agricultural peasant-type children. Uh, mm-hmm. And she told them about how there was going to be another great war past yes. the First World War. And she also told them that, uh, oh, what was it, that Russia would you know, produce errors, that is to say, allude to the rise of communism mm-hmm. and atheism and so forth connected with it. And these kids wouldn't know where Russia was on the map if you held a gun to their head. I mean, you know, they couldn't point it out. So this was very, uh, and everything they said, of course, was relayed to priests and people that wrote it down. So this was all very well recorded at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, the third bunch of information, a lot of controversy has developed around it, the uh, 
third secret of Fatima. And uh, what happened was the Virgin Mary appeared to Sister Lucia uh, in the late 40s, mm-hmm. and it, it, she wanted to have all this information laid out and, and transferred to the Pope, I mean, by the, and just to make everything definitive. And this was, and uh, she, it was forwarded to the Pope, and he, they were, he was told to not release this information until 1960 at the earliest. And uh, now here's where it gets a little bit uh, more or less conspiratorial, and I think validly so, is, uh, see, the Church didn't really uh, release any information on this till 2000-2001 era. And then what they said was that the Third Secret had to deal with, oh, the assassination attempt on John Paul II, but uh, there's a lot of people who don't, you know, hold with that. Uh, let me quote this one thing. Uh, in May of 2010, they had a, a, a convention of Fatimists, who were, you know, basically believers that there's more to the Third Secret mm-hmm. than meets the eye. And this was held in Rome in May 2010. A man named Christopher Ferrara is a Catholic and a U.S. attorney, and he was quoted at the conference saying, quote, the evidence points to only one conclusion. That something has to be missing. Only a minority clings steadfastly to the notion that an ambiguous vision of a bishop dressed in white outside a half-ruined city is all there is to the secret. Now, there's another illusion they'd come up with. And he, in other words, here's a fellow nothing but investigations his whole life, and he sees you know, something more to it. Uh, uh, you know the half ruined city and the bishop being injured. That, that's uh, that just doesn't doesn't fit with uh, the secrecy that's been allude, you know around surrounded this this issue. And some people think there's an apocalyptic aspect the church is hiding. Uh, that's been one potential explanation. Secondly, uh, mm-hmm. perhaps even problems the church is having relative to child abuse issues and sure. other things. So I mean, uh, I. You know, I love the church and all that, but they're not always very forthcoming. <laughs> tell and, me, uh, tell me, how do we know that the the there were any messages or secrets given to the Vatican? How do we know that this just isn't, just isn't another made up fairy tale? Well, it was pretty well. That part was pretty well documented as far as bishops that conveyed the information from. Okay, now the initial uh, information, the mm-hmm. first two secrets. Now that was told to journalists and what have you at the time, not just church officials. Uh, so that was fairly common knowledge. The third secret is the only thing that was you know, held close to the vest, if you will. Is it possible that the third secret was told, never happened, and in order not to create any disbelief in the entire apparition oh, okay. seeing, that the, the information was never released because it never happened? Now, now uh, Rob, that's another take on it I'd never really thought about. You know, because a conspiracy is only a conspiracy, and it's usually perpetrated by the people who have the most to gain from the conspiracy. And if this was to happen and the church really was given, let's say, three secrets, two secrets really, uh, two events happened, the third didn't, that would certainly... Uh, that would certainly Undermine sh- the validity of it, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, now perhaps, Rob, that, that's true, but uh, to the best of my knowledge, mm-hmm. and, you know, my ability to get to brass tacks, right. limited, you know, just a researcher. But what I have researched, it seems that, that, that there was something that perhaps was embarrassing to the Church that is what was clo- held closely. And, and that would fit the mode of the way they operate. I mean, in fairness, they're not very forthcoming <laughs> about a lot of things. That's and, true. Uh, 
So, I mean, I, I, in other words, I can't really say with certainty. All in right, Kevin. Is, Kevin, you and I have to take another commercial break with the news at the bottom of the hour. Stand by, XO Nation. Kevin Cook is our special guest. Here's his website, www.marionapparitionsareal.com. That's www.marionapparitionsareal.com. And Kevin and I will be back on the other side of the news as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. In front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network. UK High Definition Radio. Euro High Definition Radio. And Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www. Exo Nation, Kevin Cook is our special guest to this hour. We're talking about Marian apparitions, and uh, Kevin's interesting website is www.marianapparitionsareal.com. Kevin, does the worldly events have anything to do with Marian apparitions? Is timing involved? It absolutely is. Uh, these events have been going on since 40 AD, but not all of the events, but many of the public ones. Uh, I guess I, did, I differentiate between public revelation mm-hmm. for individuals and public ones that are widely witnessed and, and reported tend to be at very pivotal moments in history. Like, uh, for example, in 1531, uh, there was the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe in the present site of Mexico City, Mexico. And uh, probably uh, even up in Canada, there's probably people that have uh, on the back of their trucks, for example, you'll see an image of the Virgin Our Lady of Guadalupe and uh, frequently it's in the back of trucks, especially mm-hmm. in this Texas area. Uh, and what it is, this is a replica of the tilma, T-I-L-M-A, the, the cactus house garment that the Indian Juan Diego was wearing when he met the Virgin Mary and she appeared to him. And that image that's on the back of these trucks as decoration, if you will, is what her, is her image that was on this, this very fragile cactus husk garment. Now, uh, I'll deal with that in a minute, but the pivotal aspect is this was the start of the whole uh, colonization, basically, of the New World. 
So her, you know, showing up at this interval was very, very important. The, all the uh, Spanish mm-hmm. were basically treating the Indians like they were subhumans, and a lot of cruelty was involved. And her appearing to a Indian basically, uh, you know, woke him up to the fact these are humans too. They're not some people just run over. And that was important. And also as far as uh, basically Christianizing the whole, uh, all of Latin America and so forth, that was a, a big input at that time too. Now, I'd, I'd just like to ask you a question at this point. Is sure. she seen wearing the same apparel all the time? For the most part. For the most, not always, but for the most part, she's usually wearing a white, mm-hmm. basically robe and uh, basically a, a, a blue sash, essentially. That's normally her, her get-up. And uh, there's a few variants of it, yes, but for the most part, that's the most commonly occurring. If this is a spiritual apparition, yep. how do they change clothes? I don't know. <laughs> I guess I guess a spirit. Well, now you know this is not that uncommon though, because uh, spirits, uh, just in the conventional sense, have appeared to people in period costumes. I know a, a lady who. Mm-hmm. In Fort Worth, Texas, uh, they have a, a haunted hotel uh, called the Stock, uh, the Hotel Texas. And I talked to this woman on the QT, and I asked, she was the assistant manager, night manager of this place for 10 years, and I said, uh, you know, what's the deal here? Is it really haunted, or is this just sad? Yeah. She said, it really is. The guests would see, uh, say, cowboys, for example, in uh, period costumes, walking down the hall, little specters of them. So I guess if they could do it, I guess the Virgin Mary certainly uh, placed well enough to have her get up uh, whatever she wants. I mean, that's a flippant way of mm-hmm. looking at it, but it's the only way I know to uh, approach it. When she communicates but, with people, does she communicate in the language that yes. they understand? Yes, yes. But how like, could how could the Blessed Virgin Mary, if in fact this apparition is her, right. be able to speak all these different languages? Communicate with all these different people. This is not that uncommon experience. It's called transverbation. They actually have a term for it. And in the uh, New Testament, the Apostle Mm -hmm. Paul could preach to people, and they would all hear him in their respective languages. That's, in other words, just a paranormal event that has occurred in, you know, New Testament uh, experiences. And also, uh, in the 60s, there was a a very famous priest named Padre Pio. Uh, he died in 1968, but he was able to communicate with people in their own language because he had, at the end of his life, his popularity and notoriety grew and grew just to his death where he was visited by people from all over Europe. And uh, he would be able to communicate them in, with, with them in their native language, whereas he never had any past background in it. So this is not that uncommon. How common is the sighting of a Marian apparition, and when was the last sighting that you're aware of? Well, there's a current ongoing sighting uh, in uh, Brazil to a seer named Pedro Regis, who has had some phenomenal uh, input. Now he has websites, and they're uh, oh, they, you know, they're chronicled. I mean, mm-hmm. the Virgin Mary will appear to this fella, and and the messages he's given are chronicled to his website, you know, written down and so forth. He has, and it's been well vindicated had in, in information from her which predicted the earthquake in Haiti of last year and also the Gulf oil disaster. Now tell me, when it comes to the earthquake in Haiti, was this information released prior to the yes, event? exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because like I say, these are compiled on a weekly basis or whatever. And for example, the Gulf oil situation, I know for a fact, went on his website in March of 2010. And of course, the, the disaster didn't happen until July, August era. 
so yes, I mean, very well, you know, organized, not anything that's, you know, deceptive or, you know, phony. And, but anyway, Regis has had a lot of uh, information to, imparted to him, mm-hmm. which is just really, uh, just incredibly earth-shattering and, and dramatic. And that, now, that's ongoing. And at, at any given time, Rob, I'm thinking at any given time, as mm-hmm. I understand it, there's about 10 or 12 going on in the world at any given time, period. So how come we don't hear more about this? Well, see, this is one thing that's frustrating to me as an author, because, you know, to me, it's endlessly fascinating. And once you, the more you get into it, the more convinced of, it, of the validity of it there is. But I think some of it is because there has been some humor applied to it with some silliness, like, for example, seeing Mary's image on a burnt piece of toast or something like mm-hmm. that, which is nothing but matrixing, uh, where the mind tries to make order out of disorder like people that would look at clouds and say that looks like a horse or a right. dog or whatever. And uh, that's all that is, but it's all... So for several reasons. Uh, that's one reason, but I dismiss all that as just silliness. But what I'm saying is that I'm frustrated as an author because I think everybody ought to be talking about this. And on the website, let's give you an example. On the website, I have a recommendation from Dr. Tim Barth. He's the psychology department chairman at Texas Christian University here, very big school in this area, and very prestigious. And he's also a ghost hunter and a Catholic. (laughs) But what it is, though, is he's amazed by the level of scientific studies I've dealt with in the book and so forth and so on, research, how well-documented it is as far as having real hot-smoking proof, whereas in the ghost field, everybody goes bonkers over seeing an orb, which could very well be reflected light off a dust particle or, you know, anomaly like that. In other words, this, this completely blows that away as far as level of credibility. Mm-hmm. And yet people go endlessly, goose pimply, overseeing a few orbs, and there's shows all over the cables about, you know, ghosts. And this is, I think, this kind of Trump's ghost. It does, does to me and it does to him, but it's amusing that the level of interest is higher in that. And I think there's another reason that that's occurred. Why is that? Is it, well, I think, okay. My book is about a divine experience, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And if, if God's really reaching out to us by using the Virgin Mary as a messenger, we might have to actually pay attention and do something about it and behave, basically. Tell me, Whereas the, the sightings that people are having, does it have anything to do with their religious beliefs? Like, are, uh, are atheists seeing uh, these apparitions? Yes. Uh, okay, remember the Fatima example we used a minute ago? Yeah. Okay, now the government in Portugal at the time was an atheistic, communistic form of government. It was mm-hmm. antagonistic towards the church because they, they viewed the church as a vehicle of the power elite to keep everybody in their place. So they're using the, you know, they're, they're saying the church uh, was acting as a way to keep the population down, if you will. And uh, they were antagonistic towards the church, and they were antagonistic towards the apparition. Okay, here's where it gets to the point. At that very end apparition in October of 1917, where they had the Dance of the Sun, mm-hmm. and there was all these witnesses that, that saw these aerial phenomena connected with it, they had the government had infiltrated many journalists trying to debunk this apparition. And guess what, Rob? None of one of them did. There was no article, nowhere, any place. I'll stand with anybody. Show me one place where it was debunked. It wasn't. And yet there were a lot of extreme conversions connected with going to this apparition by people that were atheists previous. So that's one example of, yes, many people that had no Catholic or Christian connection. And also, 
Rob, here's here's where it really gets dicey. Is in uh, the biggest apparitional sighting was not even in a Catholic church, but it was in 1968 through 1970 at Zaitun, Egypt, a suburb of Cairo, where the apparitional event went on for two years, three to five times a week. They had as many as a quarter million people, components of Coptic Christians, Muslim Jews, whatever, mostly Muslims, that that uh, grouped up in this this square around St. Mark's Coptic Church in Zaitun. And uh, yes, she appeal, appeared to people that were atheists, uh, every every stamp you want to run across. So yes, it's not just the Catholics, I guess, to answer the question. Why does she choose certain times to appear, certain places to appear? What is the catalyst? Is there is there a common denominator in all her sightings? It's, well, if there is, it's that there's normally going to be big societal upheavals at that time, and I guess in an indirect way, she's saying that God loves you, mm-hmm. and that's the key factor. And these other facets don't be rocked by them. I think that's, if I was going to put a one summary point on it, that would be it. Really, uh, in the a- operations in Belgium mm-hmm. at, at Bolrang and Benal, right before the Second World War, that yes. was a common uh, thread there that uh, God's still there. Don't don't get rocked. And uh, I think that, that's been the basic of it. All her messages are very benign, uh, you know, belief in her son, you know, God's with us, you know, don't, you know, don't lose mm-hmm. your noodles here over the circumstances you're experiencing. Is there any physical evidence to substantiate any of these claims? I got the physical evidence. Oh, it is good. The best evidence surrounds that apparition of Guadalupe I referred to in mm-hmm. 1531, that cactus husk garment I'd mentioned, uh, has been studied way, way more than the Shroud of Turin. It's just been more accessible for study. Uh, remember, this has been in church custody for 500 years, and it's only been under glass for the last 150. Uh, previous to that, it was exposed to, you know, humidity, heat, uh, smoke issues, everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, Rob, it's really a, a manu- miraculous event that the thing is still intact. In but it's not just an intact, it's in pristine condition. It could be seen today if we could get to Mexico City and go to that basilica and just we could see it as just like seeing any painting in a museum. Particles of that shroud have been studied by Sandia Labs engineers. And Rob, there is no evidence of tracing. There is no pigment. Now, any artist would tell you you can't have a painting like that. I mean, you couldn't have an image like that painted without there being uh you know, tracing, or certainly pigment, and uh, there's none, no evidence of it. It's been under electron microscopes. Now, Kevin, I I understand that there have been apparitions of Jesus and Mary for thousands of years. Have they ever been seen together? Uh, In a sense, in a sense. uh, Usually they're separate, but in a sense, at Knock, Ireland, that was a silent apparition, some apparitions are, Mm -hmm. about 200 people saw... uh, Jesus appearing as a lamb in front of a church in Knock, Ireland, and Virgin Mary and St. Joseph, all three in that one uh, well, hold on section. Here. Hold on here. I've got, I, there, there's a question here. Was Jesus okay. seen as the Jesus that people um, imagined him to look like, or was he seen as a lamb? And in that apparition, he was seen as a lamb. So how do we know the lamb was Jesus? I guess the symbolic uh, aspect of Jesus as being the lamb of God theory, uh, I guess that's... That's how that's applied. Is, I mean, isn't that's, it rather strange for there to be an apparition of Joseph? 
Yes, that was unusual. I agree. Uh, however, there have been in some of these other apparitions angels that have been, like at St. Uh, Catherine Labour, uh, an 1830 apparition at, at Rue de Bac. That's a big apparition at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they had actually an angel that came and uh, spoke to Catherine to come to the chapel to see the Virgin Mary. So it's not as uncommon as all that. Uh, but to, to, to have St. Joseph, it was unusual, but then again, I guess if you could have an angel, you could have mm -hmm. St. Joseph too. Oh, all right. What is the significance of, of Mary besides being the, the mother of, of Jesus? She wasn't a saint. She didn't do anything miraculous. So why is she so revered by so many people? Okay, well, there is a biblical component to it. Uh, in the book of John, it speaks of Jesus speaking to his apostle, and, mm -hmm. and Mary was present too, and he said, here is your mother. And it, there was uh, more symbolism than saying she's just, you know, here's my mother, take care of her, make sure she's fed and taken care of. It was more than that. It was it, The implication was that she had some de facto place in the scheme of things. Also, in the book of Revelation, it speaks with a woman, this, you know, a crown of stars and mm -hmm. so forth and so on. And uh, the illusion being to the Virgin Mary, and there seems to be, by these biblical references and by experience, that she has a pseudo-maternal messenger kind of format in the, in the religion, yes. All right, stand by. Uh, Kevin, you and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be right back. Exonation. Kevin Cook is our special guest. He is the author of, you've got your pencils and paper ready, Marian Apparitions Are Real, Visits from Jesus and Mary. The website, www.marianapparitionsareal.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Kevin Cook is our guest, Exonation, www.marianapparitionsareal.com. With all the problems that are going on this little blue planet, third planet from the sun at any given time, why don't these apparitions step in and cause an end to the wars, heal all the sick, put plenty of food available for the hungry? Why, does it, why don't they just do something that is... that 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 not only is outstanding, that would actually help mankind instead of these hokey-pokey stuff that, that keeps on going on. Why don't, they, why don't they put their goodness where their power is? Rob, I don't know, <laughs> is the honest answer. Mm -hmm. uh, it's great to have—I know what you're saying, uh, and I think every Christian thinks those things to an extent. And I've had a lot of answered prayer, and you know, some, a lot of other people have too— but sometimes you wonder, in the prosaic sense, not just in the apparitional sense, but in, the, in just the common sense, is why, you know, why does God allow all these variant things to happen? And uh, 
to be honest with you, Rob, that's above my pay grade to answer. I mean, I could make a flowery answer, but sure. I no, I, I don't like flowery answers. I like real answers, and I, I like well, looking my at real answer is yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, because it's uh, it's really great for all these millions of people around the world to believe in these these apparitions, these these non tangible events, these these events that are good for the soul, but not good for the physical. It doesn't feed the hungry. It doesn't cure the, the sick, and it doesn't put an end to war. Now, in order for me to have any great respect for any of these apparitions or any of these mightier-than-thou yeah. events, do some damn good. Put, yeah. you know, put, put the faith of the people before... Uh, before the wonderment, help them. It's that simple. Yeah. Help them now. If 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 an apparition was to appear, let's say, uh, and and stop a major war, or or you know, cure miraculously people, or supply food, or whatever, wouldn't that be more to the liking of the believers and not believers than just to have these apparitions do basically nothing at all except appear? Well, I know what you're saying, and there has been some aspect with, uh, especially between France and Germany, mm-hmm. different apparitional sites where her appearance did stop a war, uh, at like at Point Maine in France in 1870. Uh, basically, the Germans were uh, fixing to cross the river at the time and mm-hmm. uh, invade, and the uh, appearance of the Virgin Mary basically stopped them in their tracks. And also, here's another one, in 1920... This, a similar thing occurred in Warsaw, Poland. What happened was the Russians were always, you know, beating up on the Poles and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had, this is well reputed, they had an apparition of the Virgin Mary, and all the, Ru- the Russians had to do was follow across this Vistula River, and they take the capital of Warsaw, and uh, they had an apparition of the Virgin Mary, they turned tail and went right back to Moscow. So I guess they have done in a small sense what you're asking them to do. Kevin, we, actually, Kevin we've run out of time. I'm terribly sorry. Uh, congratulations on your book, Continued Success. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you in the future. Thank you. Exo Nation, Kevin Cook has been our guest this hour. We're talking about Marian Apparitions. His website is www.marianapparitionsareal.com. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the hour as the Exxon continues. We're right here, live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name's Rob McConnell. I'll be back on the other side of the news. Whatever you do, do not go away.